to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch, and your host. Today, we welcome Katherine Troutman. Katherine is known as the federal resume guru, with over 30 years helping thousands find jobs with the federal government. She's the author of several books, including the Federal Resume Guidebook, now in its seventh edition, and the Job Seeker's Guide, 10 Steps to a Federal Job for Military and Spouses, now in its eighth edition. Catherine provides 10 Steps to a Federal Job Curriculum to Career Transition Counselors at military bases, universities, veterans organizations, and private industry. So in other words, Catherine knows the federal hiring process inside and out and is an expert on getting a federal government job. She's passionate about helping people find great jobs with the government, and we're going to discuss the attributes of a career in the federal government, what unexpected or hidden opportunities there are in the federal government, special opportunities for military spouses at military bases, and a lot more. Catherine, welcome to 321 iRelaunch. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. My favorite topic career change into the government. Excellent. So let's start by learning a little bit more about your background. Can you tell us how you got to be an expert in this specialized area of getting hired in the federal government? And where did you start? Sure. I started Resume Place in Washington, D.C. on K Street. And originally the business was uh, specialized in, in students from George Washington University and lawyers on K Street and Capitol Hill private sector resumes. But then I realized uh, people wanted help with their old form, the 171 form that was uh, active at that time. So we got really expert at that form. But then 1996 came and the government switched over to USA Jobs and posting all their jobs online. And they changed from the 171 to a resume. And that was an opportunity that I saw uh, 1.7 million federal employees needed to switch their 171 form, which was like 30 pages long, to wow. a resume. And I thought, oh my gosh, somebody needs to write a book about how to write this resume for government. Mm-hmm. So I did it. I, I met with OPM, the Office of Personnel Management, and I talked to HR people in government, and nobody was writing a guide on how to write this new resume for government. So I decided to write the first book, Federal Resume Guidebook, on how to write a federal resume with all my HR friends and contacts in Washington. And I did it in 1996. And that was the beginning of me uh, being an expert in federal resume writing with that book. And then now we're in seventh edition. So here we are. Wow. Congratulations. That's really interesting. And I'm so glad we're talking to you about this topic. Uh, What are the pros and cons of working in the federal government? Well, the pros are that the government jobs are very, very stable. They, uh, The chances, if you got a permanent federal job, most likely, like 90%, you would be there if you chose to all the way to the end of your career. And uh, they, you know, with, with COVID-19 and the pandemic, the federal employees didn't lose their jobs. They didn't get furloughed. They just went home. They went home to work virtually. So Mm -hmm. very, very stable. Also very flexible. I think the government is the best employer for 
especially a, a mom, a working mom, because I was a working mom. They're so flexible for your kids. You can go to parent meetings. You can do all the stuff with your kids. You can stay home if your child is sick because you've got backup at work. You're not working for a small business where it's just three of you. <laughs> you've got all kinds of people that can back you up. I just like the flexibility of it. Opportunities for growth is great. I mean, there are so many jobs. You might be in one job for a year and you want to apply to another one. There's just so many positions that you can um, apply for new ones once you're in, once you know your way around. And I think the salary and benefits are very good. I know the benefits are great. Retirement is fantastic if you make it all the way to retirement. Retirement is really good. So I got a lot of good things to say. Negative, well, you got to go to work every day, nine to five. You've got a supervisor. You got to get along with them. Uh, you got to put up with politics. You can't control it. Do your job. I, I train a lot of current federal employees in writing federal resumes. So I talk to federal employees all the time in my classes, and they're thrilled to be working in the government. They have a few complaints that, you know, it's really hard to go from working live uh, in the office to virtual. Everything is by Zoom. There's a lot of meetings. There's a lot of tight agendas. But I think the pros clearly outweigh the cons. So I, I just think it's a good idea. Right. And also, Anyone in the private sector who does, does not have to be on the premises has also gone to work from home too. So that that isn't a different a different experience in, in the federal government versus yeah, not. That's right. Um, a clarifying question: How many years do you have to work in the federal government to get the retirement benefits? I think it's twenty, but I'm not an expert on retirement. Uh, actually, okay. it could be ten years for partial retirement. Or even, okay. five. I mean, retirement is really good in the government. And um, if you make it through the full retirement is where you get the biggest benefits. But uh, military people, if you um, retire or separate from the government, you can trans transfer over your retirement from military to federal. That's a great incentive for veterans. Very interesting. All right. Well, we'll talk a little bit more um, about not so much um, military uh, themselves, but military spouses um, in a little bit. But let me just focus right now on the process. Can you walk us through what are the basic steps involved in applying for and getting a federal government job? Do you have to take tests? Is there, and how does it differ from a regular hiring process that might be at, uh, in the private sector? Well, the first thing you have to do to begin your federal job search is you go to usajobs.gov and you set up your profile. You have to set up your account, your username, password, and you have to set up a profile. You've got to answer questions about your personnel background, and um, you have to copy and paste a resume into the profile system. It's a basic resume, but it goes right into the profile. It'll take you probably 45 minutes to an hour to do the profile. And then after that, you need to start searching for jobs. So let's pretend like you live in uh, Kansas City, Kansas. So you would look for jobs in Kansas City, Kansas, or look for jobs in San Diego, just to see what's in your town. Uh, if you're flexible to move, then that's good. You could look by job. But if you have to stay where you are, you don't want to move this week or next year, uh, look by region and then then narrow down your search to salary because you don't want to look at all the jobs. You don't want to look at every job that goes from 45000 to 175000 You want to look at, at your job range is like sixty-five or fifty-five, whatever your salary might be or 
85, whatever. You can narrow it down by salary. So searching on USA Jobs and setting up your account is the very first thing you have to do. And then after you do that, you've got to learn more about how to search for the jobs and look at the jobs. And then you need to start working on your federal style resume, which is not the same as your private sector resume. So you got to do the whole thing on the resume. So then um, I recommend you set up a search in USA Jobs so that you can receive emails every day for jobs that are in your regional area, that are in your salary range, that are of interest to you. I think a search is very helpful because job announcements with the government can close like in four days. And if you don't have a search set up, you might miss something if you don't look every single day. Then applying for it is, is another whole uh, process. It's two, two systems. One is USA Jobs. You upload the resume, and then you go to a separate system where you answer a questionnaire. There's something called a self-assessment questionnaire, and it's really something. It is a test, and you have to give yourself your self-assessment the highest level that you can there. And you upload your documents, and then you submit. And then you wait and see what happens. Now, good news here is that OPM and the hiring agency will send you an email and they will tell you what your results are. And the results can range from ineligible, which is terrible, but that happens, or you are eligible, or you are eligible and best qualified, or you are best qualified and referred to a supervisor. So you mm. will get an email that will give you some background on what's next. And then from there, who knows whether you will get an uh, invitation to an interview. I don't know. But that's basically the process right there. All right. That's super helpful. Let me just ask you a few clarifying questions. So when you said you're, you're filling out that, that form later in the process and you said it was a like the assessment, it, it, it was a test. Is it? Were you just saying it's like a test or it's an actual test that you No, take? It's, it's actually a test. It's called a self-assessment questionnaire. And they might ask you 20 questions that are job related. And you need to answer the questions. Um, your choices are uh, A through E. A is I don't know anything about this. B is I've done this, but I have no training. C is I've done this unsupervised or I've done this supervised. Three is I do this work unsupervised. And five is I'm an expert or I'm a supervisor or I am the person that at people ask for help because of my knowledge. So if you can be an E, the highest level, that is the goal. I see. Okay. And then um, sometimes I've seen a federal government job advertised and, and then the deadline is like the next day. So why do they always have these very short time frames for the openings? They don't always, but a lot of them are because they don't really receive a thousand resumes. They'd like to get 200 or 300. So they limit the days because the I resumes see. are reviewed by real human HR people. It's not an automated system that reads the USA Jobs resumes. So they've, they've shortened the timeline on announcements because they don't want to get overwhelmed with reading too many resumes. That's why. Wow. So this is pretty interesting. It You don't go into one of these applicant tracking systems and you, you know, uh, it, you get sorted or your resume gets thrown out because there's something unusual about it, like might be the case with a relauncher. You're saying that uh, an, a human looks at each resume. 
I am saying that the only agency in government that uses the artificial intelligence is NASA. They do use that system for keywords and key skills, but every other agency has human people reading resumes on the screen. And that's why the resume has to be organized in such a way that the HR people sitting at their screen can look at the resume and find the qualifications that match the re- the announcement. I see. And the guideline for creating your resume is what you talk about in your book, right? The, that's, uh, job, that's, the Federal Resume Guidebook. That's exactly right. If you get a copy of the Federal Resume Guidebook, you will see what a good federal resume looks like. And the basic facts are that average federal resume length is five pages and it should match the announcement, the qualifications in the announcement. And it should include accomplishments that demonstrate and show your experience that matches the announcement. So, and the format is in the book. Just look at the book. It's called the outline format. I call it the outline format because it starts out with all cap keywords. And the all cap keywords are basically an outline matching the announcement. And then you fill in the outline with some sentences, you add some accomplishments, and then you have a federal resume that is easy for the HR person to read on their computer screen and hopefully find you best qualified and hopefully refer you to a manager. Okay. And then, um, you know, normally when people are applying to like a private sector job, they might put in an application online, but then they're trying, ideally, they're trying to network to connect with people who work inside the organization or know someone who works inside the organization and have an additional connection sort of outside the regular process. Is this something that you can do with a federal government uh, application, or are you not allowed to do that kind of thing? You can do that. If your neighbor works at that agency and uh, they let you know that this position was coming up and you applied for it and you said to them, I applied for it. I did it. I did it. I applied for it. Then maybe they could uh, talk to the manager and say, hey, did so-and-so come up on your list? Ah, and see if the person came up on the list. It's actually a little bit rare. But if you do know somebody inside of an agency, please talk to them and find out if their agency is hiring and are positions coming up and what are the positions and see if you might be interested in any of them. Networking government does work. Um, you can't contact the actual recruiter manager for the announcement. There, You can't go and find them and talk to them. No. But mm-hmm. if you know somebody that works in the agency, yes. Mm, that's very good to know. I hope our listeners noted this because that is similar to how you might apply for a job successfully outside the federal government. So uh, the same kind of networking advice looks like it's, it's relevant for the federal government process too. If you know someone in the agency, they can essentially... Uh, mention your name that will flag your resume and bring it to the top of the pile or near the top, it sounds like. Yes, it would would help. Yes. And then how long does it usually take to get one of those emails back, putting you in one of the categories of either not qualified or, you know, very qualified and getting an an interview? It doesn't take very long, uh, a week or two. It's really quite quick, that email. Be sure you look for those emails. Here's one thing that is happening now with that email. 
uh, there's a new test in the government. It's called USA Hires. I can't tell you who's using it, what agencies, what jobs. I don't know. That's a mystery. But if you're if you're going to be invited to take that test, it will appear in that OPM email. Hmm. And they will say to you, you have three days to take this exam. And what, after you take this exam, we will consider you further with the application process. So if you don't take that exam within the three days, you're out. I see. Yeah. All right. So, and I guess you better check your spam file and make sure yeah. you're all over your email so you don't miss something like That's that. Right. Because I'm guessing no exceptions or you have to reapply or something. Well, you're <laughs> out. You're just out, right, for that you're one. You're out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Noted. Uh, can you give us some examples of unusual or unexpected federal government jobs. I, I'm some, I was intrigued by you saying, you know, you can live anywhere in the United States and, and apply for jobs that are in your local area. So it's not like you have to be in Metro DC. You can be anywhere in the country. So I thought that was interesting. Um, can you give us um, some uh, unusual jobs that maybe people wouldn't ordinarily think of? I can. There's one in particular. The job is called program analyst. And uh, that's an official job title in the government. 0343 is the job series, but program analyst. If you type that into USA Jobs, thousands of jobs will come up. And what a program analyst does is this. They analyze programs. They analyze it to see if it is efficient and effective. They analyze data, qualitative and quantitative data, to analyze the effectiveness of the program. Uh, they, they communicate with customers. They prepare briefings and information. Now, this job sounds really government-ish, but actually not. So many people can apply for this job. If you are a realtor, if you are a, um, a sous chef managing a restaurant, you do those things. You do analyze the efficiency and effectiveness of your program every day. Um, if you manage a hotel, you do this. If you um, even work at a cruise line, these are companies and agencies that have been losing employees because of the pandemic. Um, right. If you're in sales and marketing, you can apply for program analyst. So that's a job that a lot of people don't even know exists and that you can translate your skills from almost any industry where you analyze the program for efficiency and effectiveness, and you do the numbers, you do database, you work to improve the program, you make recommendations. That's a really popular job title. Every single agency has program analysts. Every program has a program analyst. You should look it up and read the jobs. It is very interesting. And the jobs range all the way from a GS7 to the, to the 15th. So all the way, yeah, seven to 15. So, you know, any of them, if you have a new MBA, you could qualify for a GS9 because all the courses in the MBA program would match this job title. So I, I like talking about that job title because there's so many of them available. And it's very interesting that um, you're saying people with such a wide range of backgrounds could qualify. Um, you mentioned just now the GS7 to 15, and I'm not familiar with that, and I'm guessing most of our listeners are not either. Can you just give us a breakdown of, of what each 7 to 15 means, and is there something that's lower than 7? Well, GS5 is um, what you could qualify for with a new bachelor's degree, but the GS levels go all the way down to 1, I think, and two, three, and 5, and those are uh, people that 
do clerical or labor work uh, with no mm -hmm. qualifications required. But a, a GS-5 is entry-level average. You can have mm -hmm. one year specialized experience in a certain field of work, or you can have a bachelor's degree for the five. For the seven, you can have uh, one year of graduate school or one year of experience at around um, $35,000 a year. And mm -hmm. then the 11 is, or nine is next. That's master's degree. It's like 50,000, I guess. I don't have the salary scale in front of me. You should look up the salary scale. Oh, that's another thing you should do as a beginner. Uh, just Google uh, government GS salaries or government salaries. It'll come up and look for your geographic region because the pay is different in different states. So if you're in Florida, look for this salary. If you're in California, look for it. And then look up the salaries because you do need to e learn to equate GS level to salary. You have to learn that. And so look up that GS scale. That would be good for you. Okay. Uh, so that's great advice. And can you talk a little bit about, is it different for people who are, you know, our audience is relaunchers, people returning to work after a career break. Is it easier for someone who worked in the federal government previously, even if it was five or 10 years ago, to return to a federal government job versus someone who did not work in the federal government before? Oh yeah, it's it's easier if you're coming back as um as a, a a former federal employee because you can apply as a competitive applicant and um there's a lot of jobs for competitive current and past federal employees but you have to have three years of experience in the federal government to apply as a former federal employee so yes it's easier and the the non uh, past Fed would apply as a public person. And there is a challenge with the public announcements. The public announcements is where the veterans preference will apply. So you mm -hmm. will be competing with veterans preference in the public announcements. And you might, you might get an email that will say that your resume was not reviewed because there were so many veterans that applied for this position. And there mm -hmm. is, there is nothing you can do about that. You must just apply again to another announcement. And that is the way Veterans Preference works. It's on the public announcements. and that, But then there are also other hiring authorities in the government. So if you have a person who's applying who has a disability, you can look at the list of the um, disability items that are written down. You can get a letter called a Schedule A letter from either a doctor or a vocational rehab person. And um, you can have a Schedule A letter. You can research this on on USA Jobs and OPM Schedule A letter. And it's also in my book. You can read that what Schedule A letter looks like. And you can apply as a federal employee with a Schedule A letter. So that's also very good to know. A lot of people do have a disability that can uh, give them the Schedule A letter. Then there's one more thing I should mention right now with that is that there are Schedule A coordinators. They're called Selective Placement Program Coordinators. And you can find them on the OPM website. These are real people who you can send your resume and your Schedule A letter to, and they can also assist you with finding a federal job. So that's always of interest. I coach a lot of people who are coming back after a break. The break could mm -hmm. be family caregiving, kids caregiving, travel, uh, their own uh, illness that they've gotten better from, they're ready to go again. Uh, mm -hmm. And people do come back and they do go to work. And um, 
they do get hired. The resume has to be updated. Um, the resume has to be really good. There can be a gap in the dates. You can just write a simple sentence of caregiving or uh, working toward new career, something that you can add that will account for five years or three or 10. Recently, there was a man who was out for 15 years that we worked with from California. And um, he took care of, you know, a lot of caregiving with his wife and a son. And um, he is not hired in the government yet, but he did get hired in the state. And we are still working for project management, telecom, facilities management for him and the federal government. And since he got hired in the state, then that state job disappeared because of COVID. So we're back mm -hmm. on federal now. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it can be done. It can be. Good. Um, because our listeners are mostly in that category. So glad to hear about that example and these, these pathways. Uh, so, you know, we're about to um, have a, a new presidential administration come in. What jobs turn over when a new administration comes in? Is there a special category or, uh, or are th those related to a new administration sort of separate from other federal government jobs? Well, there are the presidential appointee jobs that uh, Biden will be hi uh, hiring and uh, recruiting for. And you can find those jobs in a book called The Plum Book 2020. You can Google Plum Book 2020 or it's on my website posted also. But those jobs are they're very senior level. You have to be very specialized and very expert in order to get these Schedule C appointee positions. But they are listed in the plum book. They're there. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, uh, President-elect Biden has a website called buildbackbetter.org. You can go there and submit your resume and cover letter and fill out the form. So those are two things. But He's going to be creating a lot of jobs in the federal government this year. Now, I can't tell you what they are because I don't know his new programs yet. I mean, when he mm -hmm. does his his uh, inaugural speech, he's probably going to mention the programs that he's going to roll out. Could be mm -hmm. construction, new hiring, climate control. I don't know what it's going to be. Whatever it is, there's going to be jobs associated with it. But then mm -hmm. besides that, besides that, a lot of people left the government this year. A lot of senior people, a lot of people near retirement went ahead and left because it was a tough year in the government. And then when the pandemic hit and everybody went virtual, a lot more people retired. So there's just a lot of jobs and a lot of openings in the government. This is a really prime time to do what I've been saying, search on USA Jobs, set up the profile, do the whole thing, get the book. Yes, go government. Interesting. Yeah. Um, how do you spell plum book? I, like what is, I don't know how to, what oh, that is. P-L-U-M book 2020. And is it all one word, plum book or two yeah, words? Two words. Okay. All right. Just so everyone knows, but it, um, also we'll talk to Catherine at the end about her website and get her, her website URL. So you can look it up there too. Um, Catherine, can you give us a little insight for military spouses. Are there special opportunities that they should be considering uh, during the time they're moving from base to base? Uh, and also when their service member has ended their service and then um, the military spouse might be establishing themselves in one location for the longer term. Yeah, so federal job opportunities got way better for military spouses last year. President Trump signed an executive order on March 9 of 2019. Big surprise. I didn't even know it was coming. And it was a great, it was really good. 
he said that government agencies should do more to hire more military spouses. And there were a few changes that were made. And one of the best changes is that if you look at USA Jobs now, there's a little widget for military spouses. We've got public, federal employees, veterans, military, and then we've got military spouses. Thank Mm -hmm. you. So you can apply to all those jobs where it just says military spouses on USA Jobs. Then I wrote, I updated my book when this happened. Uh, The book is called The Stars Are Lined Up for Military Spouses. And I recommended, I came up with a new format for spouses for their resume. I recommended Mm -hmm. that they add their PCS history to their resume. They change all the different locations where they went. So they would add to their resume, Naples, Italy, Rhode, Spain, San Diego, California, Pentagon, Washington, D.C., uh, San, San Antonio. They put the list of their career and the dates and then describe some of the things that they did at each of their bases and the skills they gained as a military spouse. And I've taught this method 200 times to thousands of people and spouses, and everybody really likes it because spouses have in the past hidden the fact that they're a spouse because the Mm -hmm. employer is going to know they're going to move in three years. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the average length on uh, employment now is three to five years. So it's time to talk about their knowledge, their military spouse experience that they've had throughout their career. Now that is, um, that could work for either active duty military spouse or someone who's retired. Let's say the spouse Mm -hmm. is, is married to a retiree. They could still add this to their resume to show their career and their life and their experience and knowledge. So when they go to apply for a job that could be DOD, they can show all the knowledge that they have from traveling around at the military bases. They they gain knowledge and documentation and compliance with rules and the school systems and so much knowledge from traveling from military base to military base. These samples are in my book. It's called The Stars Are Lined Up for Military Spouses. I'm very enthusiastic about helping military spouses. I'm really glad that there is more accountability now. Every year, agencies have to report to OPM and tell them how many jobs are posted for military spouses and how many military spouses did they hire. That just started last year. So this is brand new. So anyway, it's better overall. That's very interesting. Thank you. And thanks um, for the uh, specific Uh, information about military spouses. I just want to clarify when you're saying um, that they should list all the different places that they lived and their experiences there, does that include, because it could be volunteer work um, and as they may not be doing paid work when they're moving around. Some, some people have a a job with that depends on transferable skills and they can move with it and others don't. So would you include volunteer experience too? And I'm glad you asked that. Absolutely. Because because here's the good news. Volunteer jobs are equal to paid jobs in the government. So if you write up your volunteer job, let's say you worked in elementary school part time with the kids, no money, all, all you know, free. But you did uh, student activities. You did uh, help the teacher with the uh, classwork or you did virtual <laughs> Zoom support, you could write all that down and say 15 hours a week and you did this for three years, you would get credit for educational and curriculum development, platform development. You would get, you could use it as credit. You don't have to be paid to get credit on a federal resume. And is that the case for military spouses and non-military spouses, anyone who does volunteer work during their career break? 
Absolutely. It's for everyone. So if a person has been out of work for five years and they've done a lot of volunteer work for this place or that place, if they, they have to write it up like a job block. They have to say the yeah. title of their job, the place where they worked, the street address, the name of the supervisor and phone, month and year to month and year, hours per week, and then the duties of their nonprofit volunteer job, just like it was a paid job. That's how you get credit. Wow. All right. That is very, uh, that, that's a very interesting distinguishing factor about um, federal jobs, because in the private sector, we're seeing more and more recognition of relevant volunteer experience. But you're saying that as a rule on a, on a federal government application, they, they look at volunteer roles just like paid roles. That's exactly right. You can even change your career. I've got one example. I taught a class for Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and there was a young lady in the class, and I, she showed me her resume, and she worked for the Postal Service as a carrier uh, before she came to CMS. And I said to her, how did you get to get hired at CMS? when you were a carrier before. And she said it was my volunteer job. I worked at a church for four years, helping to sign up seniors for Medicare and people who needed help with Medicaid. And I did this volunteer 15 hours a week for four years. I put this volunteer job on my resume and I got hired as a health insurance specialist at CMS because of that volunteer job that I did all those years while I was carrying around the mail. That is a great example. Just for our audience, what does CMS stand for? Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Very good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, Catherine, we're running out of time, and I want to wrap up by asking you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? My best advice is that you need to go to usajobs.gov. You've got to start looking at jobs and reading the duties of the jobs and reading the qualifications and the announcements. I know the announcements are long, but you must read them if you want a government job and do some of the research that I've talked about in this podcast. You've got to learn about federal jobs. You also need to get the book, the Federal Resume Guidebook. You've got to see a correct federal resume to see what it looks like. It's not a private sector resume. It's 100% different. It's five pages. It's not two. So that's mm -hmm. my best advice. Just start learning and set up your account and go forward. Excellent. Well, we are so fortunate to benefit from your expertise, Catherine. Uh, can you please tell our audience how they can find out more about your work? Yes. The website is resume-place.com. And on that website, you will find all the books that you can order, print book or email. You can sign up for my blog, which you definitely should, because I send out a blog every week or two about federal jobs and hiring and presidential appointees and all kinds of new stuff. So you need to read the blogs. And then you can find where you can order a consultation if you want to have a one-hour consult to talk to me or one of my consultants that's on my team. It's only $190 to talk about your resume, your ideas for federal job search. It's kind of a starter consult. We do write resumes as well. That's a separate thing. But we, we consult and advise people to write great federal resumes to help you to get best qualified, hopefully referred. We also do interview coaching. Whatever you want to know about federal job search is what you will find at the website, resume-place.com. And I hope you will go there. 
Great. So you you mean it's, it's so it's www.resume-place.com. That's right. That's it. And everything okay. you want to know is there. You can also read all the old blogs too. Those are good. Excellent. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you very much for your time and good luck with your federal job search. Keep it going. Wonderful. Thank you. And thanks for listening to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the CEO and co founder of iRelaunch, and your host. For more information on iRelaunch conferences and events, to sign up for our job board and access our return to work tools and resources, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.